0: You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everybody's having a good start to their week so far on your monday afternoon thank you for joining us here at 2 p.m once again on espn 1067 and on fox sports central alabama once again the number to call 334-321-1390 find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater auburn football cleaning up on the transfer recruiting trail i guess you could say that Dylan Brooks was released out of his national letter intent. He's a high school recruit who's now no longer going to Tennessee. He's going to Auburn, a defensive end slash outside linebacker there. And then Auburn today landing West Virginia defensive back transfer Dreshawn Miller. So Auburn's defense adding some players to it that I think could contribute right away. Some big news out there on the recruiting trail for Auburn football that is boosting this Auburn recruiting class that Brian Harsin walked into into the top 20 now according to 24-7 Sports Composite. So good news across the weekend. Auburn baseball sweeping Presbyterian across the weekend opening series. Auburn basketball pretty much the only bad news of the weekend. Levi, how you doing today, my man?
2: Doing well. I mean, a great weekend of, of, for Auburn baseball. Obviously not as much Auburn basketball. And I mean, that's, this is just the world we live in. Some days you're, you're riding to work, you're coming in expecting to talk about Dylan Brooks, and then the next thing you know, Harvard's got a new cornerback from West Virginia and you're sitting there thinking, well, you you have, you have to think, Brian Harson right now, he's done a very good job with what he had. He has made, he has salvaged with what he had available to him. He played with the deck of cards he was dealt. He did a very, very good job, in my opinion, of just finding something to build upon. He, his, we've said it plenty of times, his coaching staff wasn't even finalized until like a week before signing day. And now he's got the Tigers in the top 20 in recruiting class with guys like Dylan Brooks being released. And obviously, I don't think I don't believe that Miller's uh commitment, I don't think that affects the rankings, if I'm not mistaken, but we still know he's there, and we still know that's a good pickup.
1: Also, we got our wish list with Team War Ready guys. Of course, friend of the program, Jeremy Law, i at IMJ Law on Twitter. He added me earlier today where he quote tweeted me when Team War Ready announced that Kareem Canty's been added to the Team War Ready roster. That was your roster, guy. That was the guy, guy you wanted. That was also, the guy T.J. Dunnans as well was another guy, and that happened over the weekend. Of course, I tweet out a GIF of Tony Stark in the first Iron Man when everything's blowing up behind him, and it says, boom, in the GIF. And then at IMJ Law, Jeremy Law quote-tweeted that and said, Auburn fans went from cheering for Auburn basketball to cheering for Team War Ready real quick. And that is where all the good mojo is right now for Auburn basketball. Some former Auburn standouts playing with War Ready. We'll talk about that later on in the show today. Just a lot of good stuff coming up, and we want to hear from you. The phone number to call, 334-321-1390. I'm pumped about Kareem Canty. I'm probably even more so pumped about T.J. Dunnans. That's a big addition, but we'll get into that later on in the show as well. And, of course, if you missed us talking to Simeon Bowers last week, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That was a great conversation. And I even asked him about Kareem Canty a little bit. I said, you know, it'd be pretty cool if Kareem Canty was going to come and play. And he said, you know, I can't tell you guys about that. I'm going to have to go and talk to Kareem. And guess what? A couple of days later, Kareem Canty announced on Team War Radio. They said that they won't be announcing any more roster moves for a little while, but man, what, what what roster dumps it's been for that, and I'm pumped to see some former Auburn favorites out there playing this summer when TBT rolls around. Back to Auburn football, though, we'll start off the show now talking about Dylan Brooks switching his commitment to Auburn football. What does this mean for the Auburn defense to land one of the highly touted defensive players in this year's recruiting class, especially out of Alabama in the southeast. I mean, this guy had offers, and, and these teams wanted him. Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee all wanted him.
2: It's huge. I mean, you're taking it away from Tennessee. That's great. You're keeping a guy in state, you know, right down the road from here, about or at least about 25 minutes from my house out there, you know, out in Roanoke. So you're getting a guy who's staying close, staying locally, staying in the state, four-star again. Harson just getting it done in any way that he can. A very untraditional approach to kind of make, make splashes like this, but, you know, if Tennessee wants to release a guy who's a four-star defensive end from the state of Alabama, you saw Brian Harson was quick to say, hey, come on back, you know. Come on back and come home and play with us. I think it's big. It's a, it adds a good, valuable edge rusher well, type Tennessee of guy. Well, Tennessee didn't release him. He was probably transferring. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 100%. So this
1: basically hinged on, was Tennessee going to do the right thing yep. and let this kid out of his letter of intent, or were they going to make him sit out a year when he inevitably transfers to another school? And, of course, we talked about this a little bit on Friday, that there was the possibility that Tennessee was going to do a conditional release based on he couldn't go to another SEC school. And then, of course, there was the social media storm that erupted from that moment on, and they did not put a conditional release on it. They just let him out. This one seemed to take a little bit longer than some of the other ones, like Rock Taylor. But Dylan Brooks now coming to the Plains, listed as the number 6 weak side defensive end in the class of 2021, but subsequently also on his 24-7 sports profile, he's listed as an outside linebacker. And I think that's what he's going to play at Auburn. He's going to fulfill that pass rush, outside linebacker role for Auburn at 6'5", 250. He could also end up with his hand in the ground, maybe on the outside of that defensive line. It seems like he's bulked up a little bit since I watched him play in high school. Because I had the pleasure of watching this kid play when they hosted Lincoln two football seasons ago. So not this past football season, but two football seasons ago when he was a junior and he was, it, I feel like he may have even been ranked higher back then than what he is now. I may be wrong, but he's listed as the number 76 player nationally, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. It's kind of hard to get ranked higher than that. He's the fourth best player out of the state of Alabama, according to the composite rankings as well. And I watched this kid play Lincoln, and he was impressive. He looked like a college football player out there. He was bigger than everyone else on the football field, at least in terms of height, He's filled out a little bit, I feel like, if he's listed at 250, because I don't know if I got 250-pound vibes from him when I was watching him out on the football field. He was an edge rusher. He even played tight end for them in that football game against Lincoln, and Lincoln ended up winning that game, actually coming back from as much as 23 down. That was definitely a highlight for me in my broadcast career, getting to call that game. And I still love talking about that to this day with folks and and reminiscing with some of the coaches up there at Lincoln because I was doing play-by-play for them at the time. And it was uh, it, it was such a fun game to be down there, and I'll tell you, Hanley's got a great football facility. They love their high school football down there, or I guess up there, compared to where we're at geographically in Auburn, Alabama. And this kid is a good high school product coming out of there as a pass rusher, and he's a, he's super athletic. They had him at tight end, and let me tell you, they threw the ball to him a lot too. He he could move. This kid is he's, is, he's a good football player.
2: He's just a good athlete. I'm going to go on uh, Twitter real quick and I'm going to bring up a tweet from Justin Ferguson, friend of the show. Again, follow him at JFergusonAU. He notes that Dylan Brooks is the highest rated weak side defensive end slash pass rushing outside linebacker. Auburn has landed since Carl Lawson in 2013. Pretty good guy to be in company with. He's also <laughs> well, the highest out. rated defensive end state pickup since Marlon Davidson in 2016. You know, also that worked out an- too. another pretty good guy. So if you just look off of those kind of trends, this should be a this should be a really good pickup for Auburn with Dylan Brooks. You're keeping him in state. He's not going to an SEC foe in Tennessee. You're going to keep him home. I think he's going to be good. And I, I agree with you. I think he might do a little bit of both. I think he's probably going to be more in the outside linebacker category, but I could also see him putting his hand in the dirt a little bit, playing on that end of the line. I think well, it's
1: 250 and 3 4 inside defensive ends. So there, there's different techniques yep. for defensive linemen and Auburn's defensive ends probably are traditionally if this thing does end up changing to a full-on 3-4 scheme which we talked with Robbie Weinstein of um, of Vandy 24-7 a couple of weeks ago and he said that towards the end of Derek Mason's tenure at Vanderbilt he used a 3-4 slash a 4-3 hybrid kind of switched in and out of the fronts even though his depth chart on the game notes was listed as a 3-4 he only had three defensive linemen on that list but your traditional 3-4 front has the defensive ends on the inside of the tackles, and they end up being pretty heavy guys. If you're looking at NFL defensive ends in 3-4 schemes, man, they could be anywhere around 290 pounds, like your traditional 4-3 defensive tackle. And then the nose tackles in the 3-4 end up being above 300 pounds, and it's not close. They end up being you know like 325, at least at the NFL level. In college football, maybe you bring some of those numbers down a little bit on average. For your typical 3-4 defensive line but 250 is definitely still on the smaller side for an inside defensive end if he was playing inside the tackles but if he lines up outside the tackles 250 is on the money
2: yeah I think I think on and he'll get bigger too yeah he'll definitely bulk up a little bit when he gets to Auburn I just think this guy's so athletic that he can fulfill a lot of roles like I think in oh, yeah. certain certain situations throughout the game he can move a lot he can move around a lot around that defensive side of the ball And that's good. I mean, anytime you have a guy who can do multiple things for you, you got a valuable guy. And I I just think that this kid is going to flourish with Derek Mason in this system. I just feel like his upside is really good. He has a lot of potential to become a really good football player at Auburn on the defensive side of the football.
1: Something else that I think is interesting, we're beginning to see a trend in some of the guys that this coaching staff has brought onto the defensive side of the football. They're bringing in guys that can fulfill multiple roles, like you just put, Not only is Dylan Brooks one of the guys that fit that category, but also you had transfer defensive lineman Andrew Leota from, or Eku Leota as people will know him as, from Northwestern. Eku Leota played multiple positions in multiple fronts on that Northwestern defense. He played an outside linebacker. He played an inside technique and outside technique as a defensive end. He did a lot of different things in that Northwestern defense. He's another example of that. You also look at some of the other players, Joko Willis, listed as an inside linebacker when Auburn recruited him, the number two inside linebacker in the JUCO class for this year. Joko Willis could end up playing outside linebacker for Auburn in that 4-3 front and end up being a pass rusher. So it's not just limited to Dylan Brooks being that only guy who's coming in this class that's versatile. There's several players in this year's defensive class and guys that can come and contribute right away, like Joko Willis and Eku Liota, that can do different things across this Auburn defense. In addition to some of the guys that are already on the roster, we have no idea where the returning Auburn linebackers are going to slot in, like Jacoby McClain and Owen Papo, because as far as weight is concerned, they're in the 210 to 220 range. That's outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. But they may end up playing on the inside. I think they can do both. T.D. Moultrie's moving back to the linebacker core. I think he'll probably slide in in the inside. I don't know if he's got the athleticism, at least at the weight that he's playing at, to play an outside linebacker. But then again, you talk about a guy like T.D. Moultrie, in a way, he's kind of already been playing pass rush outside linebacker because he's been a stand-up pass rusher at the Auburn defense. So he's another guy that can do multiple things. So this Auburn defense, I, I, I don't like to say positionless football, but across that outside part of the front seven, when you're talking about inside outside linebackers and then the defensive ends they're guys that can fit in at multiple positions and they're going to have some flexibility in how they line up now will it work out we'll have to see some of these guys are playing in some different positions that maybe they're accustomed to up to this point the three fours uh it's different than the four three and what you're asking some of your some of your defensive linemen what you're asking them to do there's a little bit more pressure on those defensive ends to plug up gaps in the run stop game so we'll see how this how this transition from the three-man front to the four-man front does for Auburn but they're definitely getting the right players in here who could do multiple things to be able to switch in and out of maybe a three-four front into a four-three kind of seamlessly I think Auburn will be able to do that in their first couple years especially based off of what we talked about with Robbie Weinstein at Vandy 24-7 telling us that what Derek Mason was doing was more of a hybrid look on defense and switching in and out of those different fronts this Auburn defense looks like it's coming together a little bit with some of its personnel, whereas at the beginning when we saw Derek Mason get hired and you and I were talking about the 3-4 scheme, we said Auburn doesn't have the personnel right now to do it. Guess what? They've checked all the boxes. Now they do. They've got the personnel now.
2: They have all the personnel to do that in the world. And just to briefly hit upon the Miller transfer out of West Virginia, that we've talked about how great that defensive backfield is for Auburn. It just just, got better. You just add another guy. That is a loaded position group right now in terms of just talent and depth, and we'll hit on that plenty throughout this show, but, man. We'll hit on, on, on the other side of this break. Let's go. Let's do it.
1: Dreshawn Miller transferring out of West Virginia to Auburn, a Mountaineer coming to the Plains. We'll be back on the other side of this break here on On The Line.
0: You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner at Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama, on FoxSports983.com, and on Facebook. That's FoxSports983.com. Got a lot of great content on FoxSports983.com today. Some articles about Auburn baseball sweeping Presbyterian this past weekend. We'll talk about that game or that series coming up later on in the show. We'll also get into some Auburn basketball talk as well. But what is the imminent conversation piece here on On the Line is the massive Mountaineer transfer. He's coming down from the mountains, the altitude no more. He's coming down to the plains, which subsequently, I I believe, Auburn in, in, in terms of state geography is on a plateau So, flat, but still elevated, right? He's coming down to Auburn, Alabama, though. Dreshawn Miller, West Virginia defensive back transfer, bolstering an Auburn defensive backfield that I already think is the best unit on this football team.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm just looking at some of these guys right here that you're bringing back along with a guy like Dreshawn Miller who's coming in. If I'm not mistaken, he was... 37th overall in the transfer I could have remembered that he was 34th 34th I had it brought up a second ago 34th yeah I scrolled down the uh article I was reading about it and I lost that on my page but yeah 6'1 192
1: pound defensive back played corner last year
2: just I mean he's a very valuable guy and he's coming in to look I know that there's a lot of guys in that defensive backfield right now guys who have played a lot guys who are expected to play a lot you can never have too many defensive like you can never have too many bodies back there you can never cuz i mean you got to think at certain times you're going to be going into nickel dime packages where you're going to need more guys out there than or you Auburn tradi-
1: inventing the 316
2: yeah that too that was uh that was one that was one thing and let's hope that we don't have to go to that too much anymore with the new defensive scheme coming in but again you just cannot have too many guys back there because a lot of times you're going to need more bodies and also you can just rotate guys out someone's getting a little gassed you got depth that you can bring guys in and out of this defense this is just a big time pickup big time transfer
1: he's plug and play yeah
2: played he, in nine games
1: you don't last have to year. worry about
2: him you don't have to worry about trying to develop this guy in, in anymore you plug him in you play him in once he gets the system once he gets adjusted to all the players and everything like that in the coaching staff he's good to go
1: played in nine games last year look the stat line doesn't look overly impressive only one stat really jumps off the page for me. He had eight pass breakups last year, not half bad. He had one pick that was returned for 11 yards, so not half bad in those two categories. Only 31 tackles on the season, but he was a quarterback, a quarterback, junior quarterback playing in one of the best secondaries in all of college football, and he was a standout. I mean, you look at what West Virginia did last year. They were one of the top passing defenses in 2020, and I need to go get some of that pass defense numbers for you. Levi, can you go and find that? how many pass yards a game they were giving up. I mean, a, a simple sports reference search will will tell us what opposing quarterbacks were throwing against this team. The West Virginia defense was one of the better defenses in the Big 12 last year. I think it was even better of a defense than a lot of what we saw in the SEC this past year. And sure, they were playing in the Big 12, but the SEC defenses were pretty bad this past year. And Auburn's getting a good one. This is a good commitment for Auburn. And so over the weekend and heading into today, obviously, Dreshawn Miller a couple of hours ago announced his commitment to Auburn. But of course, we already talked about the 2021 week side defensive end slash outside linebacker. Dylan Brooks committing to Auburn over the weekend. So there's a four-star commitment there. And then you get the number 34 overall according to 24-7 Sports Transfer Rankings. You get Dreshawn Miller coming into this class. So two big commitments on the de- defensive side of the football for Auburn that both can make an immediate impact on this Auburn defense because defensive line is an area where you can see young guys get in defense back maybe not as much but this guy's already got experience and he's transferring he's gonna play so you expect Dreshawn Miller to come and play at Auburn he wouldn't have committed here if he wasn't gonna play you don't leave one location to go to another if you're not going to play so I fully intend for Miller to make an impact Dylan Brooks is another guy that I think you could see right away when he when you bring in a guy that you've already put in the company of Carl Lawson and it was Marlon Davidson as well that you said as far as rankings and what He is the highest-rated recruit that Auburn's landed on the defensive line since Carl Lawson. Can you run back through that with me again?
2: Well, the first, so what was it? He's the highest-rated since Carl Lawson at wide defensive end and linebacker since 2013, and then he's the highest in-state guy since Marlon Davidson in 2016. So,
1: So when you put him in
2: that company, you fully expect
1: him to play as a freshman because guess what? Those two guys played as freshmen.
2: Oh yeah, for sure, and they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're pros. They both made to the pros, and I found the stats for you on this uh, twenty twenty West Virginia football team. They allowed the fewest pass yards in the country last year. They allowed 50, uh, one thousand five hundred ninety six passing yards per opponents. That's the lowest among all other FBS teams. They also are averaging. Let me find that. I've got two different places pulled up. One hundred fifty nine point six on average.
1: What were opposing game. quarterbacks' completion percentage against them last year?
2: they were about what 61.8%. That's pretty dang good. That is not bad. They were completing a lot. Or they weren't completing too much. I mean, that's that's good. I mean, this is a good passing defense. Again, when you're when you're number 1 at anything in the NCAA in terms of yards allowed, you're doing something pretty well. So they, you know, this West Virginia team what, were, they were not allowing a lot of pass yardage and you got to think that DraySean Miller was a big part of that and you're bringing a guy from a defense who led the nation in pass yards allowed in terms of, you know, from the opposite end of it. They didn't allow a lot of and passing yards. And he was a yards. main piece. And you're bringing that kind of guy in, that's impressive. That's, a, that's something that you really want on your team. So bright
1: future moving forward for Auburn football on the defensive side. I think everybody should be stoked about these two, of course. You look at Dylan Brooks. The other side of this that I want to go back to, talking about Dylan Brooks here, is this is pretty local. This is in Auburn's backyard. Roanoke is what, like 40 minutes away from here?
2: Yeah, it's about 40 minutes away from Auburn, yeah. About 35, 40 minutes.
1: I mean, he even mentions the 3 4 in a quote that he had about coming to Auburn that he wanted to stay home. Like, this is this is kind of a hometown team for
2: I him. I mean, that was, you got to think, for me living right outside the Auburn area growing up, that was, that was an area, an opponent. That was somewhere that we played every year at Hanley High School back when beulah and hanley were both still in yeah you're probably
1: closer to roanoke than you are to auburn
2: yeah i'm a lot where my house is currently i'm closer to roanoke than i am to auburn which is fun so yeah this is a local guy this is right i mean roanoke is that think about that that's where they go when people who are in roanoke just from growing up around this area and knowing them when they need to go to town because roanoke isn't the biggest town in the world they come down here to auburn to go you know get their shopping done and all that they come here they go to auburn or they go to lagrange yeah but i mean if you've been to LaGrange lately, there's not, that, there's not a lot of shopping going on in LaGrange as much as it used to be anymore. Sure. And that, that mall is, if people think the Auburn mall is desolate, go to LaGrange. That, that is a desolate wasteland of a mall.
1: I add to this, though, and I say how important it is that Auburn brought in a local product because Auburn fans want a bellyache and complain that Auburn's not bringing in local products and locking them down. And it's been a long time since they've actually had a legitimate gripe about it. Because the last time that a local area product maybe that just jumped off the page was like a Rashawn Evans or a Reuben Foster. I don't think you'd say that there's been too many top-tier SEC talent in the local area. But in the last four or five days, we've seen Auburn football go out and get two Auburn high school products. Only one of them committed, of course. Court Bradley is a part of the 2021 class as a preferred walk-on coming in as a three-star center that's going to help out the Auburn offensive line at a position that's been
2: pretty putrid over the last couple years and remember centers do not get very highly rated so a a three-star center is is not as bad as you I know a lot of people are sick of the three stars the three stars it's hard to get centers like you have to be exceptional to be higher than a three-star center most of the time
1: let's see how many four-star centers there are there are only four Four star centers in the class of 2021.
2: It's just it's hard. Those are your highest rated
1: ones as well. Like the number one overall center in this year's class is a four
2: star. Everybody else, there's only four of them. So if you're pulling in a three star center, that's good. That's a good thing. You're in the just just to put that in perspective for people who who might not understand that kind of you know that logic. That oh yeah, it's another three star, but really it's a very good three star because you're not getting that many five-star or four-star centers.
1: And according to the composite rankings, he's a he's the number 26 overall center. So Auburn's bringing in a pretty decent piece on the offensive line there. But then you also go a step further. They offer someone who's blowing up right now on the recruiting trail, and he's this year's class, 2022, outside linebacker slash defensive end. I would peck him more as an outside linebacker based off of his frame. You got Powell Gordon as well that they've offered, which right now when you look at the other offers on his list you feel like auburn's probably a front runner there when you compare him to everybody else because the only other power five offer right now on that list is vanderbilt but then you talk about the boar product as well eston harris over at offensive tackle he's a three star that i wouldn't be shocked if he climbed another star before it's all said and done because you have to go and look at his offer sheet and anybody who's anybody in the country has offered the guy out of Borgard. So you've Auburn's got, out there recruiting these local, these local products, and this
2: staff has made it an emphasis. You've got Big, you got big Ten guys recruiting a lineman out of Borgard. That, that should tell you anything. you got if, Alabama recruiting alignment
1: out of Boregard.
2: Yeah, that should tell you something. That should tell you something. If these schools that are consistently putting offensive linemen in the NFL at the next level are looking at you from a smaller town in Beauregard, that's that's a big player. And we hit on this. Me and you are from this area. We're local. We've seen a lot of this local talent that kind of gets overlooked, at least in my opinion, I think, by Auburn and some of the other schools. It really it, like, it, it excites me. I think Harson, who is used to recruiting out from the west side, out at Boise State, where he was trying to find guys and kind of diamond in the rough areas. He was trying to find guys who were overlooked. And I think he's bringing that mentality to Auburn. I think he realizes, hey, there's some guys who can play ball around me that aren't really getting that attention. Exactly. I think I should use this to my advantage, and I, you know, I could be wrong, but just from what I'm seeing from him, I think that's what he's doing, and that excites me. And I think that should excite Auburn fans for sure.
1: The Borghardt product has offers from Auburn, Everybody. Arizona State, Arkansas, Duke, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisville, Memphis, Miami, Mississippi State, Missouri, NC State, Nebraska, Ole Miss. Oregon Penn State South Carolina Southern Miss Tennessee Texas A&M USC Vanderbilt Virginia Tech West Virginia Western Kentucky and Akron all on his 24-7 sports page I mean need I go on I mean there's a lot of guys recruiting this player out of Beauregard we'll be back with more of on the line coming up here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwaner with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Whatever is on your mind in the sports world, talk to us about it. We want to hear from you. Once again, the phone number, 334-321-1390. A lot of Auburn football talk to open up this week on On the Line because Auburn brought in two major defensive commitments. One a freshman, one a transfer. The freshman committing Dylan Brooks, after getting out of his national letter of intent to Tennessee, he's coming to the Plains, a local product out of Roanoke and Handley High School. And then Auburn's defense also adding Dreshun Miller from West Virginia, defensive back. And traditionally, people may say, well, West Virginia's defense isn't very good, not this past year. It was one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the Big 12 this past year, and it was the top secondary or pass defense in all of college football last year from a statistical standpoint. Do you still have those stats pulled up?
2: Yes. I have the – well, I did have it up until my page refreshed. West Virginia, number one points allowed – or it says passing yards allowed, and it says opponent passing yards 1596 total for the year. Wow. What were the per game averages again? Per game average was one hundred fifty nine point six yards per game, and they were allowing completion percentage for opposing quarterbacks at sixty one point eight percent.
1: They were locked down, and that's what Auburn's bringing into their program with Rashawn Miller. So that's exciting for Auburn on that recruiting trail. Let's get away from that for a little for a little while. We'll come back to it later on in the show and talk more about it. Uh, we got some other topics revolving around it, some other questions that we'll answer regarding that. But we'll come back to that in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about some Auburn basketball. Auburn falling below five hundred for the first time since November thirtieth, after losing to LSU in a game that was not close. Uh, I was in Montgomery this past weekend, eating at a local establishment. Me and my wife went to. Uh, it was my wife's birthday. She said she wanted to go to the zoo. We went to the zoo. It was pretty fun. Uh, I got to. I got to see a real life tiger instead of seeing Auburn get mauled by the other tigers out in Baton Rouge. Well, now I'm
2: just jealous. I'm just oh, jealous yeah. I didn't get to go to a zoo. Well,
1: look, all the animals were sunbathing. It had been, you know, obviously really cold last week, and I guess they were True. feeling the effects of it. They were all lazy and just sunbathing. Every single exhibit I walked to, something was out cold asleep, just laying down on its side. I was pretty bummed out for that. I mean, we had a good time walking around and seeing different stuff, but I'm like, you know what, we'll come back in the summer when they all want to move
2: well that sounds like me yesterday just laying around sunbathing all day just rolling around doing nothing
1: but i'll tell you this i locked eyes with a jaguar and a cheetah at that exhibit and i was like wow there's really only this like pane of glass that is separating me from death because this thing is a stone cold killer lock eyes with one of the world's deadliest animals
2: and it'll rock you to your core i could take a jaguar (laughs) easy (laughs) you know i I could easy take a jaguar i was
1: reading up on the cheetah though while i was there because you know they have the signs and everything apparently cheetahs don't like to eat anything that is heavier than 90 pounds so i'm straight i'm good
2: oh yeah me too i'm I'm, gonna be good i'm too fatty for the cheetah
1: now you know fourth grade noah was not good in that
2: situation (laughs) but apparently it
1: likes you know smaller animals not not humans so we're we're good Now, of course, I think it would feel threatened and maybe want to get after me a little bit, but you know. Yeah, I might attack you
2: still. (laughs) It might kill you, it just might not eat you. Right, exactly. So. Not me, though. I'm built different. Easy, easy dubs against the Jaguars. can outrun it. Can't outrun it, but I could beat it. All you got to do is
1: outrun the other guy, though, right?
2: Yeah, if I can find somebody else to trip and throw behind me, I am good. (laughs)
1: Auburn basketball was the team that tripped, though, this past weekend, and they got eaten. 104 to 80, is that the right score? That, that is the right 104
2: score. 104 to 80, yeah, I'm looking at it right now.
1: Is this important that Auburn's fallen below 500 for the first time since November 30th?
2: Uh, Yeah. Like, I, rate I, it. I, one I, to
1: five, five being the highest level of importance, one being the lowest. Like, is this important to you, or is it, like, is this any type of, I don't think it's any kind of, I don't think it's any kind of cause for concern or worry no. for next year.
2: It's not like it's not panic based It's more. It's it's more of it, irritating. Well, you know when you know when you do something when you were a kid, your uh, parents would get in trouble or get onto you and they'd hit you with the the age old line. I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. That's how I feel with Auburn dipping below 500. I'm. That I get hits
1: it. Differently, man. That I, that, that hits yeah, differently. It, that's all. That's worse.
2: That's almost worse than if being you're mad good, at you. If you
1: are a goody two shoes kid. And you did something wrong, and they hit you with that line.
2: Oh, it's awful! It, it's sh- you want to talk about being shaken to your core. There's nothing like one of your parents looking at you and hitting you with that. Would and you, you rather just-
1: lock eyes with a jaguar in the wild, or would you rather your parents tell you they were disappointed Oh, definitely the in jaguar.
2: Your- I already told you. I, I got the <laughs> jaguar easy. Like, I'm I'm definitely the odds-on favorite to beat the jaguar. It's not even close. Me, me and the jaguar. Oh, that's not even close. But my, me and my mom. Mm-hmm, no, sir. I don't want to. Tra- I don't want to take that chance. Sharif had
1: a big game, 26 points, three three rebounds, only two assists. So we got scoring Sharif in this game. Still 0 for 4 from three. I think that's important. You look at Sharif Cooper as a three-point scorer. I think everybody's starting to come around to the idea that, oh, this guy can't shoot the ball very well anywhere on the floor. He's only shooting 22.8% from three. He's 39.1% from the field. So his efficiency is down. He's scoring a lot, but efficiency is down he's still an nba player i think he's a top 10 pick still even with his his shooting ability maybe being a major concern going to the next level but we see a lot of teams draft guys with shooting ability being a concern most recently we saw isaac okoro go to the next level and statistically he's a better shooter better scorer not in terms of points per game but from an efficiency standpoint he had higher percentages from the floor than sharif cooper did so we have seen guys get drafted in the past with a little bit more of concerns in terms of their shooting stroke, and we've seen them even get drafted higher than Sharif. Ben I mean Simmons,
0: Markel I mean, Fultz. That's
2: exact, those are the exact jobs about the name I said, we saw two number ones in Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. They couldn't. Ben Simmons still can't shoot the basketball from deep, and uh, you know Markell Fultz started kind of getting his shot together, you know, making strides this year before the injury. So, so folks out there saying that that could hold them back from going to the NBA, no, that's just false. He's still a
1: top ten. NBA draft pick from his ability to facilitate. Just guys in college basketball cannot do what Sharif Cooper does with the basketball on his hands. That's what makes him an NBA prospect as a top 10 draft pick. Am I still on the 51% side of the spectrum that says he's coming back to Auburn? Oh, yeah, because I think Auburn can sell him on let's come back, let's ride one more time, let's go for a title. Because they could win a national championship this year. But back to the original question that we led into the segment. It was 104 to 80. Armored loses to LSU. They fall below five hundred for the first time since November 30th. Is this important? Rated on a scale of one to five, of like how you feel about this. Five, you feel the worst about it. One, you're just like, eh, ah, it doesn't even matter. So I guess I'm asking you to tell me, are you apathetic to this or are you pretty irritated? How do you feel about it? Because I saw some stuff on social media that kind of irritated me a little bit about people. Kind of calling out Bruce Pearl a little bit, a little bit, and I'm like, eh, the wrong, wrong take, I, uh, wrong take. This I've, is not the guy you should be mad at.
2: I'm gonna try to say this the right way. I don't think I think Auburn fans have gotten a little spoiled to like Auburn basketball fans, at least in a sense, they're they have gotten used to just having successful basketball teams since Bruce Pearl has arrived and since he has kind of taken this team to the next level. You're gonna have years like this, there are gonna be times where nothing goes your way. Basketball is a game of runs. Basketball is a game of just a couple of bounces, a couple of plays here and there. And Auburn just hasn't had him go this way. You have Justin Powell who got hurt on the, you know, had a head injury and is still not right in terms of just living his day-to-day life. Not even from a basketball player perspective. He was struggling with schoolwork because of how that was impacting him. You had Sharif Cooper who had to miss most of the front end of this season. You, you just have had so many guys that, and so many things that have just not went your way Throughout this year, you you lose an overtime game to Ole Miss a few weeks ago. If something bounces one way or the other, you might win that game. And it's you have to understand that sometimes this happens. Sometimes you're gonna have years where nothing goes your way, and this is still a talented basketball team. It's a talented basketball team going in the next year. To answer
1: this question, I'm going to write my or rate my irritatedness on this scale or level of importance, the fact that Auburn's below five hundred. Maybe we have been spoiled a little bit as Auburn basketball fans. You just really don't want to go back to those days. And unfortunately, this year is a bad year for Auburn. And you're going to have to wait till next year to see a really good basketball team. And you hope it pans out that way. You hope that Auburn doesn't get smited by the NCAA. You hope that Auburn is one of the best teams in the country again next year. You hope that this program continues its momentum that it has generated over the years, not only on the recruiting trail, but also in turning that recruiting trail into results during the regular season of this year. Was a lot of extenuating circumstances regarding the coronavirus, a young team, and the fact that they're banned from the postseason, self-imposed ban. But that does affect motivation to a degree. I'm going to rate this as a three on my list. Maybe that okay? That sounds like a cop-out answer. I'll even go to a four. I'm more on the side of four, saying that I think this is important. I'm disappointed. It's like you opened this segment saying it. it, it it's like when your parents told you, "I'm not mad. I'm disappointed." And I'm disappointed because we've been talking about this team's engagement, motivation, what they're doing on the defensive end of the floor, effort. We've been talking about it since that Baylor game. And the Georgia game we wrote off as, oh, they were just tired. It was a quick turnaround. They got beat by Baylor. They put a lot of energy into it. But it's just trended. It has became the norm now for this Auburn basketball team at the end of the year. And they didn't finish strong. They gave up 50 points in the first half, 54 in the second half. So it didn't even improve in the second half. Of course, the offense took a step forward in the second half, but the defense did not. And Bruce Pearl even called out their effort. He said, I think something along the lines here, and I'm paraphrasing, that it was one of the first times this season that he saw saw it, that this team wasn't stepping up to the plate defensively from an effort standpoint, that it didn't look like the want to was there, essentially. And that... That the, the fact that he is saying that now publicly, he may have been seeing it before this moment, even though he said that he didn't. I, I mean, it may have taken until now for him to say it publicly, but the fact that he called it out publicly, that, that makes me not upset that he called it out, but that the players aren't doing it. It's like it is an effort thing on defense. A lot of defense is effort. A lot of it's positioning, being in the right place and the want to. And we haven't been seeing the want to with this defense for several games now. And it's a big part why Auburn has slid now to 11-12 and 12 and 5-9 and nine in the conference. And maybe just the general fatigue of the season and the extenuating circumstances around it and that they've reached the end and they're like, well, there's nothing else for us to play for. Maybe they're just tired and they're ready for the year to end. Still, it's disappointing because you don't want to see them go out there. And I said Auburn was going to play better than they did on Saturday. I said they were going to lose. You picked Auburn to win. So both of us in the studio thought that they were going to go out there and put a better performance on the table because LSU was a rival and they were a good team, and you thought they were going to go out there and play hard, and you thought they may be missing the game this week.
2: I thought they were going to be rested. That they it, were going to be rested. It looked, like, it, it looked like the old adage again, rest versus rust. They came out rusty. They didn't come out rested. They just came out and just looked like – they looked like a team that hadn't played basketball in a week. Let's put it that way. That That looked like a team that just came out and kind of – they just kind of sleptwalk. They just kind of went out there and went, yeah, whatever. What we got to go for right now. And that is disheartening. If I was to put a number, I was going to say around like a 3-5, a 3-7, like somewhere in that. I was going to go decimals because, again, I felt – I agreed with what you said. I thought three was a little too much. felt like a cop-out to me. I felt like I was just kind of going in the middle. So I'll go more middle. on
1: the side that I'm disappointed because – Yeah, I'll go up there with that. Even though they don't have anything to play for, I still wanted to see them win some games this year because you're improving for next year. This is practice. Practice makes perfect. The way that you practice is the way that you're going to play. And I didn't want to see them waste this year because they didn't have anything to play for. And I don't think they have. I'm not saying that they've wasted this like season. it's just only season, been the
2: past few weeks that that's happened.
1: But the year's definitely ending on a damper. And I wanted to see them bounce back strong at the end of this year rather than just getting run out of the gym. And right now they're getting ran out of the gym by a lot of the teams that they're playing and it's a quick turnaround again from saturday to tuesday with them having to play florida tomorrow and florida just righted their ship they hadn't won since like january 30th and now florida's won against georgia this past weekend and they're trying to improve their tournament standing because they were only like four games above 500 going into the weekend and they were like barely in the tournament according to some bracketologies as like a 10 seed they're trying to climb and they cannot take a loss to a team with a losing record because it's not going to look good on the resume this Florida team's trying to climb, and losing to Auburn right now would really hurt them in terms of bracketology at the moment. But this is a down year for college basketball, so maybe you see more teams get in than, than typically you would because teams like Duke and teams like, well, Duke came up with a big win. They're trying to get into the tournament. Duke, teams Duke, like Kentucky are, are down hey, right hey, now. Duke's
2: about to go on a run. They're getting into the tournament. They might be a 10 seed, and then they're going to win the whole thing. calling it right now just letting you know.
1: I could see Duke getting in as one of the last teams as a 10 or an 11 playing in some of those play-in games. I could see it, especially if they, if they run the table here out, which I'm not ruling out as a possibility for a Duke team led by Coach K and with the amount of talent that they have on the roster, and they're still above 500. Like, there's not a huge difference to me right now. If Duke and Florida played, I don't know who to pick.
2: I mean, it's, if, if Duke and Tennessee played, I wouldn't know who to pick because you don't ever know what Tennessee team's going to show up. It could have been the one that showed up and got beat by Kentucky this weekend.
1: That's right, and they lost by 15 blowout
2: <laughs> that team's so frustrating to me
1: <laughs> but they could just as easily go on a run at the end of the year they could be waiting for that turnaround moment that Auburn basketball had when they went on the final four so it's really just more disappointing to see Auburn lose by 24 than to to say anything about what they're going to be like next year or you, you shouldn't be making any type of conclusions or or implications based off of Auburn losing by 24 to LSU this year it's more of just disappointing to see it all to see this season end this way when there was so much promise about some of the players that were that were joining the team namely you know Sharif Cooper and the way that some of these young guys played at times this year it's just it's disappointing to see it go down this way over the, this final stretch we got more of on the line coming up you won't be disappointed with us going down the stretch here in hour number 1 we wrap up hour number 1 here on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama You're on the line with Noah Garner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Phone lines are open. Call in at 334-321-1390. Once again, the number to call is 334-321-1390. Wrapping up our number one here on On the Line. We got about four minutes left here in our number one. Auburn baseball swept Presbyterian this past weekend And I want to talk about the things that impressed us, the things that disappointed us in terms of this series against Presbyterian. But the Tigers, at the end of the day, got the job done 3-0, even though it came down to a walk-off win and extra innings on Sunday. Fitz and Barnett on Saturday and Sunday were dealing in terms of shutting out their opponents when they were on the mound. Greenhill was bounced off after five innings. We set the over/under on his innings pitched when we were playing playing the line, and we'll revisit some of those numbers later on in the show. But when we revisit that later, we'll see that that was one of the first numbers that I had on there was over/under innings pitch for Greenhill. We set it at five, and we all said the over, and he gets bounced out after five, give up three runs. I believe only two of them were earned. But Greenhill had a pretty good day, but Fitz and Barnett looked great. What were kind of your impressions this weekend of Auburn Baseball getting out to 3-0 and to open up the regular season?
2: I think my favorite one was how we had been talking about Bryson Ware, the transfer Juco player, and he came out, he tore and, it up. He came out and had just, a, just an absolute great weekend hitting the baseball, and that's all I was looking forward to. I wanted to see – that was what I was into because that was the guy that a lot of people were really high on. You have coaching staff and fans who follow it a lot more closely who were talking this guy up saying how great he was going to be. So I was, that was where my eyes were. Again, I didn't get to watch most of the games in totality. I had to go back and look at highlights. I had to work throughout the weekend. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to see and really kind of keep my eye on. And he looked good. And I'm, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see two of the pitchers, you know, and Barnett and Fitz go out there and deal as well. That made me happy to see those two guys really live up to what we need out of it. especially Fitz living up to that draft prospect potential
1: bryson ware was five for 12 three runs one double one home run five rbi i mean batting nearly 500 that's pretty darn good another guy who did bat 500 ryan bliss was five for 10 he had three runs, one double one home run two rbi bliss showcasing why he could end up being a highly touted draft prospect when it's all said and done this year josh hall in the outfield he uh he started two games played in three over the weekend though was four for seven had two runs a triple and two rbi so auburn was tearing it up at the plate every day but sunday and i was super impressed to see auburn put up 14 in the opener and then the next day they had 11 hits came away with six runs a little bit more disappointed over uh, over sunday's performance happy they were out there to get the win because what did I tell you over over on Friday and on Thursday and pretty much all last week talking about the series? If Auburn didn't sweep Presbyterian, why would it be so?
2: It would be because they couldn't hit,
1: right? And what happened on they, they, Sunday? There'd
2: be one game where they come out, they came out and they couldn't hit, and that it felt like Sunday was just kind of that day where they just went, you know, we've been doing really well the past two. Like we just came out, they just came out a little flat. It just came out a little bit, a little bit flat on the hitting side of things on Sunday, and that's.
1: And you'd think that Sunday would possibly be the explosive day, considering if, yeah,
2: Presbyterian staff probably doesn't go three days deep, but... They just couldn't do it on Sunday, and that's that does put a little bit of concern. That's, you know, if you're trying to nitpick and go through each detail, great thing is you came out 3-0, you swept Presbyterian, you swept the Blue Hose out of Alabama, you got them out of here, but if you want to look at some of the cause for concern, you don't like that, you know, you had that kind of day on Sunday because... It, that's also the last day that you saw them, so that's the last thing that sticks into your mind. Now, if you flip flop, right. if you flip flop it, and you have one of those ex- offensive explosions that happened Friday, Saturday, and you put that on Sunday, you're thinking a lot better going into this week.
1: I will say this though, I don't think there's too much to worry about. No, no, no. It was, it, it was no. the top of the lineup that struggled to hit in the Sunday game. Yep. And they worked some different guys in as well on Sunday. The top of the lineup's not going to struggle yeah. typically. So. I'm excited about this Auburn baseball team. They got a fun schedule going on this week. We'll talk more about that coming up in hour number two. Auburn football, Auburn basketball, Auburn baseball talk. We got a packed second hour for you. Stay with us here on On the Line. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central, Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. A great hour, number one. Now we're headed into the second hour of today's show. Phone lines are open. The number to call, 334-321-1390. Once again, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Gardner. At Levi Fitzwater. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamasports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at, at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamasports.net. We opened up the show today talking about Dylan Brooks switching his commitment to Auburn football after getting out of his national letter of intent from Tennessee. We talked a lot about what does that mean for the Auburn defense. Auburn's class climbing to 20th overall in the 24/7 Sports composite ranking, and uh, it isn't done yet. They're not. They're not done adding players to this recruiting class because there are going to be more transfers to come, including the transfer that Auburn received today which is the defensive back out of West Virginia, Dreshun Miller. We've dug into some of those stats there for West Virginia this year. It was the top passing defense in the country, the top secondary in the country in terms of statistics this past year, only giving up like 156 pass yards a game. Opposing quarterbacks were only completing about 61% of its passes, and now they're bringing in a defensive back who was a standout corner in that defensive backfield out in the Big 12. So super excited to see Dreshawn Miller coming to uh, super excited to see Dreshawn Miller coming to Auburn football this upcoming year to make an immediate impact in that secondary that is already one of the deeper secondaries in all of college football. But now we're going to head to the phone lines once again. The number to call 334-321-1390. And on the line with us now we've got Davis here with us. Davis, how you doing today?
3: Good. How about you?
1: We're doing great. First-time caller, appreciate you hopping on with us.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, Auburn basketball, really. I heard y'all talking about Auburn basketball, Um, you know. Go for it. What's on your mind? They kind of just, I mean, they haven't really kind of been performing like everybody thought they were going to, and defensively, it just looks like they don't even want to be out there, really, I mean, LSU game Saturday, they've. You have 50 points in the first half. yeah, 54 points in the second half. And uh, they've kind, of, kind of been a complete bust. And you know, like y'all were saying, I mean, you, everybody thought they were going to at least show w- what kind of potential they had going into the next year, even though they weren't going to be in the March Madness this year. But it kind of just, I mean, it's kind of to them basically.
1: Sure. And, uh, you know, Bruce Pearl, I feel like for the first time this year, He finally caught out the effort, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And, you know, you kind of have to after. uh, And I I don't think that's throwing the players under the bus either. I I saw some of that stuff on social media this weekend. I don't think that's throwing anybody under the bus. I think that that's just, that's coaching. These guys need to know what's on the line and what's at stake, even if they're not playing in the postseason this year. And giving up two 50-point halves can never be acceptable.
3: Right. That's just, I mean, it comes down to, I mean, players, I mean, they got to, they got to hold each other accountable. I mean, I mean the coaching staff has got to, I mean, you know, eventually step up and call them out. And not, not throw them up under the bus, but, I mean, just, you know, say, hey, guys, y'all got to, you know, play better than that. I mean, if you're going to give up 50 in the first half, at least you give up less than 50 in the second half. Don't give up more than what you gave up in the first half. Right. Right. So. And they uh, did.
1: They gave up 54 in the second half to the first half's 50. It just never felt like there was any kind of adjustment, and I, and I think it's an effort thing right now. And I'm glad to see the coaching no, staff calling that out.
3: I mean, going back to the Georgia game, they gave up 91 at home. I mean, the Ole Miss game, gave up 86. I mean, I mean kind of just, I mean, it's been a rough year defensively I mean, for them. And
1: it didn't but start out just,
3: that way either. No, it did not. It, they were, they they played decent in the first half of the season, and I've watched a couple of games. I haven't got to go any games any games this year. By this time, I've usually gone to about four or five games,
0: but yeah.
3: I haven't been able to go to any games. And uh, so, you I mean, yeah, the first half of the season they played pretty decent. I mean, it was they played pretty good, and then the SEC play rolled around, and they just basically, I mean, kind of started going downhill. I mean.
1: It seems like the initial game. impact of Sharif Cooper joining the team, it seems like that's kind of worn off now. It seems like they're not as juiced as they were. Right. and I think that turning point maybe is that is that Baylor game when they lost. that. It feels like they reset Auburn basketball at that point because it's, Auburn's only
2: won one game since then, and it was against the worst team in the league. They, like, sucked the life out of them is what happened. I feel like they went in that, Vander, that not the Vanderbilt game, they went in that Baylor game, and I think they were so close. I mean, you were going into halftime competing with arguably mm-hmm. – one like not arguably one of the definitive the number two team the country. one of the definitive two best teams in the country in Baylor and you had a chance and i feel like that just they never recovered after that they went in there they gave it a lot of a lot of effort and then it just kind of fell apart after that you give up 91 to georgia you come in and this game you're giving up 104 to lsu it's just defensive effort has not been there with this team in the last half of the season just had not been it just hasn't been working and i I like what Bruce Pearl did. You got it. You have to be held accountable at some point when you're playing like that. Right.
1: So. Well, Davis, is yeah. that all you got for us?
3: I think so. Yeah. I just, uh, I know Levi, and I was listening to y'all talk, and I was like, I think that's Levi. And so, uh, <laughs> he's he's a really cool cool guy, and everything. So you don't like have to, to lie to people like that.
2: They know I'm not cool. <laughs>
3: We, I've known him for a while he's a he's a good guy and so um but yeah i just heard i just heard him I wanted to just call him and talk for a couple of minutes I was on break so uh um that's pretty much all I got Alabama's doing really good Shocking this year i' am glad to see that um uh, so,
1: yeah Alabama's one of the I'm best teams in the country
3: i'm ready for March Madness to roll around
1: that's right and start being uh, able to print out some brackets and fill them out Davis uh, yeah. I appreciate you, my man. Hey, don't be a, don't be a stranger calling into the show. Uh, I know this may have been your first time calling in on the line. Uh, let, let's do it again sometime.
3: All right, man. Thank y'all for having me.
1: Appreciate it. Hope you have a good rest of your day.
3: you too, man. Thank you.
1: That was Davis on the line with us. And once again, phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Once again, that number to call, 334-321-1390. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the show Find us on Twitter, at PointGardener, at Levi Fitzwater. Opened up hour number two here, talking about some of those commitments that Auburn football brought in. You had Dylan Brooks switching his commitment to Auburn football from Tennessee. He's a 2021 defensive end. And then also you've got defensive back Treshawn Miller coming to Auburn out of West Virginia. He's a junior cornerback this past year, was a standout at cornerback for West Virginia, which was one of the best pass defenses in the country. It was actually statistically the best pass defense in the country. Auburn's class up to 20th overall in the 2021 rankings according to 24-7 Sports Composite. I think it's honestly a little bit higher than that because it doesn't really take into account um, transfers like Eku Leota and Dreshawn Miller. Now, where does Auburn football go from here now? Because we know it's not done yet on the 2021 recruiting trail. We may have closed it on freshmen coming in, but Auburn football is not done adding transfers. Where do we go from here?
2: I think you just keep just what you're saying. You just keep hitting that transfer portal. You keep looking and finding guys that are in there. Find good value in that transfer portal. You, it's, a, it's a tool that is there. Again, this team got a little bit behind in terms of recruiting, or at least his coaching staff did when, got, when he got in and by the time the full coaching staff got announced. Just keep hitting that transfer portal and finding guys that you can have. I mean, you think about a, a, what happened with Tennessee and they're going to go under sanctions from you know the McDonald's scandal and whatnot you see a guy dylan brooks who's already committed to tennessee who's probably going to end up being released from his national letter of intent he does get released from his letter of intent auburn swoops in and gets him they see that kind of guy they know he's a hometown guy he's right down the road you go find guys like that that have a little have just maybe some underrated value or even maybe not even underrated value but you just find a guy that tries to tries to fall in your lap at some point you just find these guys go out there and scout some of these transfers and get them bring them in that's that's what you can do for at least to kind of round out some of this year and if not I think if you can combine what I've seen coach Harson do with his ability to grab some of these transfer guys and kind of get what I always call on the table scraps you're getting kind of what was left after the big guys came in and ate throughout the entire year recruiting is a year-long cycle And you came in way behind the curb and he still ended up managing to salvage a top 20 class. I think if you keep that sort of scavenger mentality, along with having a full season of legitimately recruiting, I think Coach Harson could really, I think this staff could be a great recruiting staff moving forward. Just seeing, just from what I've seen them do with the circumstances they had around them.
1: What do you think of Oregon quarterback who is in the transfer portal? So former Oregon quarterback Tyler Show being linked to Auburn.
2: That's a, I mean, Show's a pretty good. Uh, I, I think he ended up playing a little bit throughout this year. I, I felt like he started most of the year. If oh, I'm not yes, mistaken, he
1: was. And his stats are not as impressive as Bo Nix's, which is why I, I can't quite latch on to the. I can't quite latch on to the idea of Show coming to Auburn. And I, and not even just his stats, I think his play. I don't I can't quite latch on to the idea that some Auburn people are latching on to that is saying that Show would be a better fit at Auburn than maybe even Bo Nix, who has been here. Sixty-three point five percent completion percentage to Bo Nix's. Obviously this year only, you know, fifty or fifty-nine point nine percent. Bo Nick's not the most accurate quarterback in the world, so there's a big bump there, but about sixteen hundred passing yards to Bo Nix's. 2,400, of course, the Pac-12 did play fewer games, uh, and he had much fewer attempts than Bo Nix in that time period, but 13 touchdowns to six interceptions. He had six INTs in half the attempts that Bo Nix did. And when you look at some of the games that he played in, he got took out of the Iowa State game. He was 7-9 for for 79 yards and a pick in the Iowa State game in the Fiesta Bowl. So he lost his job there. They lose to Iowa State. This was a bad year for Oregon Standards in football. They lost to a handful of... Of Pac-12 teams like Cal and Oregon State, Bo Nix doesn't lose to your Cal and Oregon States. Of course, they did lose to you know he did lose to South Carolina this past year, but traditionally through
2: I blame Bo that Nix's on J. J- C- that was J.C. Horn. That was the J.C. Horn show. That was all him. I mean, I, he, I, mean he, he, I think Bo Nix should. I mean, he threw three picks. Yeah, because J.C. Horn was playing amazing on that was, in that Bo stage. Was of making the, bad decisions in that stage of the game. Yeah, and I'm not trying to say that as you know defending Bo Nix. I'm just saying at that stage of the the year, Bo Nix was. On that, where's Seth Williams? Find Seth Williams. And J.C. Horn, for all intents and purposes, locked down Seth Williams, and that forced Bo Nix into making decisions that he didn't seem like he was comfortable with. He made a couple bad ones. Well, he made a few bad ones with three interceptions, among others, and then that game just kind of spiraled out of control. It also was one of those early games that Auburn historically seems to never get up for. I feel like my entire life I've watched them struggle with 11 o'clock kickoff games.
1: But when I look at Tyler show... I'm like is this guy really better than Bo Nix in the starting role that he's been at at Oregon I he's don't, only been starting for one season I just don't know if I could get there with people on that
2: I don't think he's better but I mean you can't I don't think it hurts you bringing him in I also it was just brought my attention that it's pronounced shuck as in oh. like rhymes with duck just that was just brought to my attention didn't know that as well he was an
1: Oregon duck quarterback
2: well it, to be fair, it's spelled like show, and I didn't think anything of it until I just read an article that was saying something about that. But I don't think – if you're bringing in a talented guy, I don't think there's any reason for concern. I don't think he's going to come – if he came to Auburn, I don't think he'd be coming in to compete for a starting spot. I just don't. Oh, I don't. think so. You really think so? I don't. If think they he...
1: brought him in to transfer here and he was starting at Oregon this past year, they're bringing him in to push Bo Nix for the starting spot. I mean, I think that now what I'm saying here is not that Bo Nix is leaps and bounds in front of this fellow here from Oregon. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm also not latching on to. The, I'm also telling Auburn folks to not just latch onto this idea at this shiny new thing that's in the transfer portal because it's probably not better than what Auburn has had at quarterback. This guy went four and three in the Pac-12 this past year, and of course, yes, weird year, but still. He's at the premier institution in the Pacific 12 Conference, and he went 4-3, and losing to teams such as Cal and Oregon State. I can't get there with folks on saying that this is a better option than Bo Nix, the guy who has beaten Alabama. Of course, he did get help with two defensive pick sixes in that game, but where Bo Nix has been bad at times, he's also been good, and this guy has shown the same propensity to be bad, but not even show as much good as Bo Nix has in, in his time.
2: I don't. I don't I, know if I can get there. I say I don't think I. I don't. I was. I don't think my point that I was saying. I don't think I worded it correctly. I, if they bring him in, they're expecting him to push for a starting job. I just don't think it would happen. If he, you came don't think here. he
1: would win the job.
2: I don't think he would be higher than third on the depth chart. I think Demetrius what? Davis would end up beating him out. I think it's just a much more talented quarterback than him. And that's. I
1: don't why, know if I'd go that. And far, that's why but. I don't
2: think. He's going to come here. I think Penn State is going to be the fit for him. I think he's going to go up there. That's just seems like a better place to go instead of coming to Auburn, at least for Tyler Shuck's you know well being in terms of just you can go in. I think he would end up being the starter at Penn State, and then you would have to go in and try to fight for a job over a guy like Bo Nix.
1: I'm not saying Bo's one of the better quarterbacks in this league. I'm not saying that. And I think a lot of what's hurt both of the past two years. He's had a different coordinator every year. He's had A terrible scheme around him bad play calling gamut all over the place I mean bad offensive line he has not had help okay we're really just a bad offensive line this past year I think two years ago that was a pretty good pass blocking go line but he has not had a complete offensive line with him I'm not completely putting all of the blame on Bo Nix but I'm also not going to sit here and say that he's been you know a top half quarterback in our league and this guy out of Oregon shuck as you've said his name I'm not I'm not latching onto this idea just because he's a shiny new transfer quarterback that has some okay looking stats that he's going to come to Auburn and do any better than what Bo Nix has done because I think that's people forgetting about some of the good things that Bo Nix has done and so I'm not I'm not certainly sold I I would I would like to see Bo Nix be the starting quarterback at Auburn this year I've said that on the record several times I think it gets better this year I think Bo Nix fits what Auburn is going to do on offense with Brian Harson and Mike Bobo and I think they're going to make him look a lot better than what Gus Malzahn and his litany of offensive coordinators has ever done for him
2: yeah I mean I, I'm sitting here just I'm reading some of the stats and and whatnot on Tyler Shuck over here and he's got a lot of he has a lot of availability left it's in terms of his eligibility if I'm not mistaken from what I'm seeing so does Bo though Bo he's, has
1: three years yeah they
2: both that's two guys with three years do you think Bo Nix is going to be here all three of those years? I think it's I think it's like, I would say likely, but I, I would say I think it's likely he's here for two more years. I agree with that. I think two is the more likely option. And I understand if you're out there trying to get a guy like that,
1: I—, I He's 6'5", 221. He looks like a good pro style quarterback, and he is he's fine. But I just I'm not sitting here saying that he's a better option than Bo Nix.
2: No, I, have a I don't hard think. Time I don't think he, I just don't think he's a better option than Bo Nix simply for the fact that I think Bo Nix has unlocked potential and talent. And I'm not saying that Tyler Shuck doesn't have unlocked potential and talent. I'd have to really dig deep and watch more. Sure, he more. does.
1: He's six five, two twenty one. He's, he's your NFL scouts probably drool at that.
2: I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm just sitting here saying that. I have watched a lot more Bo Nix than I have of Tyler Shuck, and I can see where there is good that hasn't been brought out of Bo Nix. And that could be the same story for Tyler Shuck. I just haven't seen that yet. I think that he could come in. If he wants to come to Auburn, I would welcome the addition to the program and just hope that it doesn't cause utter chaos among the fan base, which you know it would. Oh, yeah. I just don't think you can have too many quarterbacks. Think if something happens to Bo Nix... You don't want Grant Loy coming in. You'd want Demetrius Davis. and then would you, be
1: Demetrius Davis. And then you'd
2: want another backup to have. you want more guys. It makes sense from Auburn's depth perse- perspective to have another guy come in. But also, does it really make sense for Tyler Shuck to want to come in if he doesn't truly believe that he would end up beating Bo Nix? That's why I think he doesn't come here. And for anybody who wants him to come and unseat Bo Nix, I don't think that's happening. But if you did unseat Bonek's, you got to trust what the coaching staff decides to just, do. Just like we said with Demetrius Davis. If yep. Demetrius Davis comes out week one and he's a starter, start, yep. if he's the starter, for whatever reason, I'm trusting that. They saw a lot of what they needed to see out of him, and we're rolling with that. I'm going to trust the coaching staff to make the right decision at quarterback.
1: Counterpoint here that I don't think anybody's considering there's been so much change everywhere in the program. You got a new coaching staff, entirely new coaching staff, other than Carnell Williams entirely new coaching staff, you're going through scheme changes on both sides of the football. You've had guys transfer out of the program, you've lost your entire receiving core. Just looking at the offensive side of the ball, you lose, you know, you're you're really only returning, I mean you're returning your offensive line, but I think there's probably going to be some shakeup there on the offensive line after the springs done with, even through the A day, I think you might see some shakeup there. You're bringing back your starting running back, and that's pretty much it and your starting quarterback. Do you really want to to go to somewhere unfamiliar at quarterback. Like, would you rather have that experience at QB that where you can see some truly unlocked potential? I mean, you, you gotta see the guy's talented. He's got he's got the skills. They just have to work out some bad mechanics in his game. And so for me, I would rather see Bonex start and have some familiarity at quarterback and have a guy who is at least in somewhat of a leadership position and has been a leader with this team. I would rather see him in a starting position that maybe have complete change everywhere at every single position, especially at the most important position on your, on your offense. I don't know. I think that's something else that people have to consider. There's a lot of change everywhere. It might do Auburn some good to have something that's a little bit more of a constant.
2: I agree with that. Especially I agree with quarterback. that. You, it, it would make you feel a little bit more secure in watching a guy who's already started for you two seasons in a row come back and show some leadership with this team. That has changed a lot.
1: And I think his leadership could improve. We've seen stuff on the sideline, watching TV, We've all seen it. There's been a couple of times where Bo Nix got after his coordinator. Yeah, I think he's
2: been a young guy. Got he, after was a young he was a young kid. He came in straight out of high school.
1: Yeah, I still don't think that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not there on the field. I don't know what those conversations were like, so I can't really speak on it. But, you know, I, I still think I, I'm not going to excuse a young, something like that on a young kid.
2: I think about it. When I was 18 years old, I, did, I, I couldn't have been in a leadership position at 18. Let's put yeah, it that but way. Yeah, someone
1: probably sat you down if you weren't doing the right thing.
2: And I think Coach Harson's the guy who would do that for you. I think he's the guy that can do that. I don't think Gus Malzahn was doing that a lot of the time.
1: We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. You're listening on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We are taking your calls. Once again, call in at 334-321-1390. Revisiting our Playing the Line segment from last week, which we'll try and play that once a week. And Playing the Line, basically we were setting lines where we were going to say over under on this specific stat for Auburn going into the weekend. And we did four baseball numbers, one basketball number. Let's go back and take a look at this because I think this is a good way for us to revisit the Auburn baseball series against Presbyterian that Auburn swept Presbyterian this past week winning all three games and they did it handily mainly because of what they did mainly what they did on the mound especially on Sunday because they had to go to extra innings on Sunday and went two to one on a walk off hit from Bobby Pierce. Let's go back and look at this. We said five innings pitched for Cody Greenhill and it ended up being a push. Both of us said that he would go over. He went exactly five innings. I should have set that at like five and a half or something like that or five and two thirds because that ended up being a push. You look at the pitching stats on the weekend for Cody Greenhill. Statistically, he had the worst weekend of all the pitchers. Came out with a 3-6 ERA. uh, That was his only appearance of the weekend, obviously. Three hits against him, two earned runs. He gave up three runs total, but only two of them earned because he gave up a home run in his last frame and i tuned into the radio broadcast at just the time that he was giving up the home run and it was following a walk and so that walk ended up being an unearned run there but he gave up three runs two of them earned he had three hits against him at in five innings of work six strikeouts give up a double and once again the home run now in terms of opposing batting average amongst the starters he had the second best so Richard Fitz was sitting at point oh six seven in opposing batting average for Greenhill he was second there with 167 Mason Barnett gave up um, his opponents were hitting 214 against him with three hits through those four innings of work so Greenhill pretty good day it was his first collegiate start ever that's what I'm riding it off as I know he still gave up the three runs I probably would have liked to have seen him go longer just to see how long he could go, what the longevity was like. But the whole conversation centering around Greenhill getting the start on Friday, which came as a little bit of a surprise for me to see him, a guy that has never had a collegiate start in his career, put into a position where he had to be the starter, the Friday starter, your typical ace. That that doesn't happen often, I feel like, especially due to his been traditionally a closer. You put him in there. I would have liked to have seen him go longer it's his first collegiate start, the three runs. I would have liked – I, I mean, you, you want your guys to go out there and dominate a team that was 2-14 and 14 last year. Maybe I'm being really critical, but a team, like, a team like Auburn will be facing in the Round Rock Classic, your Oklahoma's, your Texas Techs, those teams are not going to give you mercy like a team like Presbyterian will for mistakes that you might have. And that's just the truth. You make a mistake against those teams that Auburn will be facing this weekend – They're going to make you pay. Auburn's playing Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M this weekend. They will cook you if you are not on your P's and Q's on the mound. If you are not absolutely at the top of your stuff, those types of teams will cook you. On Friday, Auburn will be playing Oklahoma. On Saturday, they'll be playing Baylor. And on Sunday, they'll be playing A&M. And I said going into his first start, I said, look, the kind of thing that you want to see from Greenhill, he, he, he typically would only face the lineup one time. All right, as a closer, you might... I mean, you'll probably only see three batters as a closer, right? But he, he entered into a little bit more of a middle relief role last year. And he's probably only going to see the lineup at most one time. As a starter, the true test of longevity for a starter is how can you adjust as the game goes on with pitch sequencing? How good is your stuff outside of your primary two pitches? Because at the plate, they're going to adjust to you. The lineup will adjust to you every time you get up there. And it's a cat-and-mouse game. And how do you adjust... To what the hitters are doing against you the second and third time they go through. And we started to see Greenhill have some of his, uh, you started to see some of the weakness there the second time he goes through. But this is the first time he has to deal with this in his career. That's the longest he's gone in a start. You know, that's the first start ever. So I'm not getting too deep into it. I'm not getting concerned, but I want to see improvement from it. I think that's an area that we could see improvement longevity, the ability to adjust throughout this man of a baseball game. And that's what every starter has to deal with, and that's the first time he's ever ever been confronted by that. I think that's a big part of why there was only five innings. That's why I said it at five. I said, I I don't know if this guy is going to go five or more. I went with the over because I felt like Auburn was going to dominate, and he had a good day. He only gave up three runs. But that could be more against a much better team like Baylor or A&M, and you need your Friday guy to To, be an ace you. need him to come out and play that well. You need him to be dominant because that's how you went Friday nights in the SEC. We'll be back with more of On the Line. We'll continue to go and look at some of these baseball statistics when we come back. Stay with us.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
2: You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Follow us on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Listen to us on ESTN 106.7 and Fox It's Fox Sports Central Alabama. Last segment, we were talking about our playing the line stats that we went through for Auburn baseball this weekend. We got through a couple of them. We got through the Green Hill pitches that we both thought that he would go over. And also, Lance Dahl was here with us as well. We all thought he'd go over. Didn't really work out that well. I thought that they were going to keep him in, let him get some experience. Didn't really work out for that. So we're going to move on to the next one. What we got? Six and a half runs. On opening day, we all went over. Noah, talking them through what happened.
1: Yeah, Auburn exploded at the Auburn exploded at the plate on Friday. 14 runs. We set six, we set that line at six and a half on uh we set that line at six and a half on opening on opening day runs, and Auburn ended up plating 14 against Presbyterian. Exploded on that day. Um, I felt like, and, and you know, Butch Thompson teams have struggled at the plate whatever reason that may be maybe it's because he's traditionally you know a defensive-minded pitching-minded coach I don't know if that has, in any way lended its hand to development at the plate the other portion of it could be the fact that Auburn just doesn't recruit as good of players in baseball when it come down when you come down to it when you're talking about the LSUs and the Vanderbilt's and the Floridas it's hard to recruit against those teams in baseball because in baseball, there are certain programs that just churn them out when you're talking about going into the next level, and Auburn's not necessarily one of those programs. They're trying to get there, and the Auburn baseball program has really improved over the years because obviously the last time that they had a full season, they went to Omaha. So I was impressed by what Auburn did at the plate. I was kind of shocked to see them plate 14, and some people may be like, why were you shocked because, you know, it's Presbyterian. They were 2-14 last year. I was shocked because I always have offensive reservations, about Auburn baseball just over the years Auburn has been one of the most inconsistent teams at hitting they've been rather inconsistent at the plate under Butch Thompson that's not me you know putting an indictment there on him as a coach that's not me being overly critical it's just the truth the thing that's held back Auburn baseball over the years has been at the plate the pitching's been phenomenal under Butch Thompson I was just pleasantly surprised to see them going against whoever the ace is for Presbyterian on a Friday they got them off the hill they went out there and they played at 14. Super impressive to see them do that. In all intents and purposes, you look at Auburn over the weekend from a statistical standpoint, what they did, they hit 311 as a team to Presbyterians 218. They had five home runs. I know we'll get to that a little bit later. 21 RBI. Obviously, they played at 22 runs total. They had a good weekend at the plate every day but Sunday. And, um, you know, I would have liked to have, you know, you'd love to see them have three great days, especially on that last day when you're playing you know Sunday's the day where you're typically going by committee on the mound and that's the day where you got to have your bats if you're going to close out a series especially if you're going into it tied 1-1 but Auburn still found a way to pull out a close one it's the first series of the year and I feel like they did really well at the plate hopefully it improves this weekend Auburn's next two opponents when you're looking at the, uh, when you're looking at this week's schedule they got a two-game series in the midweek against Alabama A&M those games coming on Tuesday and Wednesday uh, at Plainsman Park both of those 4 p.m first pitch times and then you're in the Round Rock Classic on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday out in Texas, playing all of those midday games, two noon games against Oklahoma and Baylor on Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday, at 11 a.m., first pitch against Texas AM. You're playing some of the best teams that the nation has to offer out there in Round Rock Classic Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas AM. None of those teams are, are any type of slouches. Consider that a the. consider this weekend your first look at Auburn against SEC level talent. Auburn playing Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas A&M. It's like a three-game series on the road against LSU. Good luck this weekend. And I want to see what this team looks like in all facets of their game. You got three dudes who are in that starting rotation now that are being thrust into a starting, you know, starting rotation that they have not been in before. Barnett and Greenhill have been closers their career. And Fitz has been a long reliever. All three of them are in this starting rotation for the first time ever in their careers you're still learning new things about every every facet of this baseball team despite the amount of experience that they returned from that Omaha team and if people remember going back to talking about hitting obviously last year Auburn was 13 and 5 when everything shut down they were not doing well at the plate
2: they were dropping they were dropping games to Wofford
1: right they were dropping midweek games they were not playing well in the midweek and then on the weekends they got swept by UCF I mean you you get swept by teams like UCF because you didn't hit well and I'm sure they didn't do much of anything well in that series against UCF. But the point is, like, you win a non-conference play if you if you played some runs because most of the teams that you play are, aren't going to be able to out-hit you. It's just the truth. Presbyterian's not going to be able to out-hit you. Your your stuff should be better than their stuff when you're talking about what's on the mound. And Auburn this weekend, I felt like got the job done at the plate. Obviously, you scored 22 runs across the uh, weekend. You did very well. But the look going into this weekend is, can you do that? And if you'll remember all the way back to the Omaha season, Auburn was – Auburn barely made the NCAA tournament that year, and if it wasn't for some you know, late-season heroics in Baton Rouge against LSU, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for you know, doing relatively well in the SEC tournament that year, I mean, the LSU series is what saved it for them, and they get into the NCAA tournament, they get hot. That Georgia Tech game, you're going into the final frame, you're losing. Steven Williams had to walk off. That moment turned the whole thing around for Auburn baseball. And that, was of course,
2: the, that was the moment that juiced that Omaha run. That was, yes. that was the moment that you looked to and said, you know what, this team went from a team that barely made the tournament to a contender and then they exploded at the plate against North Carolina
1: of course and both of the games that they won there I mean the you think on the 11 run first inning and you know they they did what happened to the Atlanta Braves they did it to they did it to North Carolina and so Auburn got it done in the postseason at the plate but they didn't really do it during the regular season that year and a lot of these guys are veterans from that team that really weren't doing it during the regular season and they were struggling. I mean, Stephen Williams was having a bad year that year. He he popped off in the postseason, but he was having a bad year that year and there's several guys that fit into that category that are now grown-ups that are now back like your Rankin Rollies, your your Caseen Howells, your your Ryan Bliss, your all those guys are veterans now. Stephen Williams, they're in that position mixed in with some talented youth like or talented new guys. Right, Ware wears a JUCO transfer, so I can't call him youth, but he's a transfer that is that popped off this weekend. He was five for twelve. He batted nearly five hundred. He had a great week. Uh, some of the other major names: Josh Hall, a redshirt, a redshirt sophomore. He went four for seven. Uh, just several guys at the plate that were new guys came in. Nate Larue had a big shot home run. So there, there are new guys mixed in with some old dudes. But I want to see how they can. I want to see how they perform this upcoming weekend against some truly great pitching. Because this is your first look. Is this team really going to be a decent team at the plate? Or do they have some work to do before they get to SCC play? You, you learn all that this weekend.
2: Yeah, you're going to learn it against you know, a much better competition than what Presbyterian presented for them to hit the baseball. And to go back off your point, it's been so inconsistent for Auburn hitting over the years. You, it's hard to trust them. You always, even, even when they're hitting well in the back of your mind. I don't
1: trust them. That's why I, that's why yeah, I set the, the line at 6.5 for this weekend. In the back of your mind, you're, day, you is. are
2: always thinking. When's it going to stop? Because you you've seen them get hot. and You've seen them explode for runs in the past, but it always will cool off and it'll come down. And you're always going to be thinking in your head, when is it going to happen? When are they going to fall off? And you hope that you go into the Round Rock Classic this weekend. I hope, hope when we get done with this, we'll see it. And we'll be like, you know what? This team can't actually hit.
1: I caught some flack in terms of disagreement with folks when I said this on a podcast last year. I said, and, and this was Auburn going into the season, this is before coronavirus hit, I was talking about this in the fall of last year after the Omaha run, and this was going into the 2020 season, I said, look, Auburn is not a lock as a return to Omaha, Auburn at best maybe is a, is a, is a super regional team going into last year's season, and I said that even though a ton of experience was coming back, I mean, even Tanner Burns was coming back on the mound for Auburn, and I said that because... For the for the majority of last season uh, of that 2019 season for Auburn baseball, once again they barely made the NCAA tournament. They got hot in the postseason. That was not what their average was. And I, I, you know, coming back, I was like, "Look, is this team going to consistently do that?" I don't think we've been shown that, and so I don't trust it yet. And this Auburn team, I don't for the same reason I don't trust this Auburn team because we only got 18 games of them last year and they did not perform well last year. 13 and 5 at the start of last season that was not good where where you got the cross state team Alabama you know with only one loss at the end of the year they were undefeated for a large part of non conference play that's what you should be doing and the non conference schedule last year was not difficult so i'm not 100% i'm still not 100% sold on this team i'll say this they've got the potential to go back to, to omaha because they've got guys that have done it before
2: yeah i mean if you can get hot with the hit, if you can get hot with your bats and if you could consistently be able to plate runs throughout this year the pitching staff should be able to handle its own with this right now. I, I think they're just missing consistent bats. I think that's what this team should be. And missing. only
1: time will tell. I mean, it's the first weekend. Yeah. And people may think we're being overly critical, but I'm. You know, we're talk show hosts, and it's our job to kind of analyze and break stuff down like this. And it's the first weekend. For Armor baseball and they're going to improve as the year goes on but right now I'm just going to say I think this team's a regional team at the moment I'm not sure if they're much better than that they might place as a two seed or a three seed in a regional somewhere that's where I, that's where I think they are at this moment but as the year goes on I'll update my mental bracketology yeah. on this Auburn baseball team as we go on. But right now, uh, they're going to have to prove stuff to me as the year goes on. And the Round Rock Classic is an opportunity for them to prove it to me. I hope they prove it to me oh, I at lo- the plate I because this could it. end up being a sneaky good baseball team this year with the amount of experience they have compared to other teams in this league. But they've got to do it at the plate. There's awesome. a reason why they were picked to finish sixth
2: in the West. And also to what you were saying about, we might be you know nitpicking and going way into it, but it's no secret that college baseball, there's a, there's a lack of coverage over that. So we want to be here for you guys who enjoy Auburn baseball and be able to show you guys like hey this is what's happening with this team because a lot of people aren't a lot of people don't talk about college baseball. It's very it's hard to find games sometimes. So we want to be able to come in and really go more in depth than you just happen to look up a box score because it's hard to find some of those stats. It's more sometimes. fun
1: than the MLB. I don't know why it's not broadcasted more. I know it's because collegiate athletics is below professional athletics and everywhere else in the country other than the Southeast, but I really wish the SEC network would broadcast college baseball more than what they do because I, i'm a junkie for it i love it but you know it's i mean of course you can go and find it on like sec network plus and everything but i still would love have to send it on you national. have to look
2: you have to actually go look you're not just going to be put some
1: effort into you're it and barely, go and log you're barely in and go and watch too, you're not going to just be scrolling ever,
2: yeah you're not going to be scrolling through your just Hulu turn Hulu on, live yeah and, i can't just turn on youtube tv and see
1: it there so. it's not
2: going to happen you have to you have to be dedicated to go look for that
1: i mean what does auburn play you know 50 60 games in a season only nine of them are nationally televised I and mean, that's Oof. And that's, that's the case for a lot of SEC teams. So, I, you know, I don't think that's great. What's, what's the next number on that line?
2: Next number on the line, we've got seven Ks for Fitz. We this all one took I'll the briefly,
1: over. This one I'll briefly touch on. Fitz had a great day. I would going to say, that,
2: just the, the fact that he didn't hit that seven number does not mean that he didn't have a great day because he was out there dealing. He had six strikeouts.
1: Dealing. And he had six strikeouts on the day. Let's see, exact numbers of innings pitch that he had. He went a total of five innings. I think that's more. And he was dealing. He had only given up one hit. It was a one-earned run. He had six strikeouts. The one hit he gave up was a home run. Opponents hit uh, .067, so they did not touch this guy. I mean, he was dealing. The only reason why he went five innings because it's the first series of the season and they're going to protect that arm. Richard Fitz could move into that Friday the Friday spot before it's all said and done. He ended up if he being did. the ace on this on this team. He had a one eighty ERA after the weekend. He only gave up one run and it was off of a home run. That was the only time that someone touched him. That was the only time somebody had touched any of his stuff all weekend long. The only reason he had six strikeouts to five innings pitch. We we that was about his average uh, for case to innings pitch last season. About he was doing a little over one an outing or a one an in inning, that is, and I uh, expected something like that. And so I was like, well, does he go, does he go deep in this ball game? And we all took the over saying that he he would go longer probably than about five innings. If he had gone one inning more, he probably would have got that seventh strikeout. That's not what happened. They protected the arm. I'm here for it. What was the
2: next line? Yeah, I'm good for that protection. We got uh, four and a half home runs this weekend. I was the only one who took the over. I was optimistic that we were going to come out and just shell Presbyterian, and we did. They came out, they played well. The Auburn baseball team came out and hit. They hit home runs. I was. They had five home runs through two games. I mean, I, that's that's. <laughs> they I, didn't hit any
1: yesterday. I don't think that was but more they of a. That five it was two more games. of an
2: optimistic prediction that the bats were going to come alive, and we were going to see that this weekend against Presbyterian. Will we see that? You know, next weekend. At the Round Rock Classic, I don't think it'll. I don't think so. I would love for that too. I'd love to see this team come out and hit in the Round Rock Classic against some better competition. But it's just yet to be seen. To put this in perspective, and this was the stat line that I wanted to get into because our last one was a basketball
1: number, and that <laughs> basketball number would was else LSU score more than eighty two points, and they and they did. Uh, they scored one hundred and four. So we won't even get to that one. But for baseball on this line, we uh, we both said. Well, you I said the under, you said the over, and it's just because I didn't see a whole lot of power in this lineup last year or the two years before that. And I was right in saying that because Auburn did, hit it, did not hit its fifth home run until the ninth game last year. It took them nine games to hit five home runs last season. Auburn hit five in two games this year, and they didn't hit any yesterday, but they cycled through some different bats over the course of yesterday. But Auburn's, the top of their lineup was popping off. Ryan Bliss had a home run. You had, uh, I believe, two home runs for. You had two home runs for Bryson. Where? Or no, excuse me. He only had one home run, but he had the five RBI and and the double and everything. So, I mean, you had five total home runs from five different players from Auburn over the weekend. That showcased a versatility at the plate. That showcases different guys with power. I'm happy to see that going up and down the order. Now, once again, this is Presbyterian. You can't get super hyped over what happened at the plate. If Auburn had scored you know 30 runs this weekend if Auburn had hit seven home runs it still would be like well it was Presbyterian but it is nice to see different guys with power Rankin Woley hit a home run Judd Ward Bryson Ware Ryan Bliss and then Nate LaRue all five of those guys hit home runs pleasantly surprised to see them hit the over there oh yeah do they do it this weekend though we talk about all of those stats the question is does Auburn keep this up this weekend and we'll talk more about the round rock classic as we'll talk more about the round rock classic as this week goes on it's earlier in the week the next series to talk about is alabama a we'll touch on that a little bit tomorrow there's a two game series in the midweek against alabama a on tuesday and wednesday both of those 4 p.m first pitches we'll talk about that but the the weekend series in the round rock classic i will be happy if auburn takes one of three just because it's early in the season i don't know if auburn's better than any of those teams yet obviously I'd love to see Auburn beat Texas A&M just because I want to know if they can do it because that was a team that was picked in that was a team that was picked in front of them to in in the west standings and so I think that there is there's a lot you can take away from this weekend to learn about this team to see where they're at as a baseline before you go into conference play about a month away still and they'll be working to improve on it every every series from that point on before SEC play but this is definitely a good baseline coming up we wrap up the show on the other side of this break here on on the line Wrapping up on the line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Garner and Levi Fitzwater with you on the show. Just wrapped up a lot of Auburn baseball talk. Auburn sweeping Presbyterian this weekend to go up to 3-0 on the season after opening weekend. Pleasantly surprised, I think, would be the phrase that I would use to describe this past weekend for Auburn baseball, at least in terms of what they did at the plate, mainly because I go into any Auburn baseball season with cautious reservation about what this team is going to do at the plate because that's been the one thing that can that can let you down with an Auburn baseball team over the years has just been you know what type of hitting team they're going to be in this weekend I think they they were they rose to the challenge maybe not as much on Sunday but they uh, they came away and played at 14 runs on on opening day and then they had six with 11 hits on Saturday so I think they'd had a good weekend at the at the plate uh, and I think it was largely spread out through the order, but the top of the lineup had a, had an incredible weekend. And this weekend they'll be taking on Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas A&M in the Round Rock Classic. So another opportunity for Auburn baseball to showcase what they can do, at least against more legitimate competition than the blue hose of Presbyterian at 2-14 from last year. And now they're 0-3 to open up this year. Not the greatest start for those guys out in South Carolina. But we're going to wrap up the show today talking about a little Auburn basketball losing by 24 to LSU I've seen some people upset with Bruce Pearl on social media. I don't get it. I think it's outrageous to be upset with Bruce Pearl at the moment, with everything that he's been having to coach against this season. They've dropped below five hundred now for the first time since November thirtieth. Earlier on in the show, we said we were disappointed in Auburn's basketball in Auburn basketball's performance, and I think that is that's fair to say. You should be disappointed. Auburn you, 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 eleven and twelve is no longer the expectation for Auburn basketball you know the expectation for Auburn basketball is to compete for NCAA tournament spots and that's because Bruce Pearl has made it so and Bruce Pearl has built the program to that point Auburn at 11 and 12 not uh now overall and five and nine in conference play LSU advancing to 14 and six overall nine and four in conference they are second in the SEC but I still think it's outrageous to be upset with Bruce Pearl or to blame any of this on Bruce Pearl I I, I think that's hard to do right now um I I think that's hard to I, th- I think that's hard to do that, because he is he's been impressive all throughout this time. He's he's coaching. He, it's hard to keep a team engaged at this point uh, with, with not being able to play in the postseason, not being able to play in the SEC tournament, not being able to play in the NCAA tournament. Efforts at a low right now on the defensive side. He can't get these guys to play defense. Like it's not he he can't force them to do that. He can at the end of the day it is a player's decision to go out and do that. And so I'm having a hard time getting with folks right now. Some people out there that are a little irritated right now with Bruce Pearl. I think that's a little unfair because I think he's I think he's done a really good job coaching this team up this year with a young team and and with you know all the extenuating circumstances. I think he's done a really good job. But this has been a team that has not dealt with any COVID issues. I think that that speaks volumes about his leadership in the program. But let's keep it going here on On the Line. We got a quick call here at the end. We got Shane on with us. Shane, how you doing today?
0: Hey guys, I just had two quick things. One, uh yeah, it is
1: ridiculous for anybody to be upset with Bruce Pearl at this point. I mean, he's done way of being able to do just with what with, with star players not playing half the half the 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 uh the season, another another star player out because of a head injury and, and
0: everything else he's gotta deal with. So uh, it's ridiculous if you're upset with that. And, and number two,
1: I just wanted to say that I really enjoy you guys' show and that uh, I hope you guys
3: Stay on for a long while uh enjoy just listening to you and i'll, I'll try to call in more but i really enjoy listening to all, all the things that you bring uh, about
2: holford
0: sports and I, I just wanted to stand up for you guys uh for you guys went i there where are you
2: go guys appreciate it shane Man, a, war, war eagle that that'll, that'll send you right off on a great note man. we appreciate it shane thank, thank you so you. much man thank yeah. you and i agree it's ridiculous to think that this is bruce <laughs> Pearl's fault i agree 100 with everything he doing, says i think he's doing a great job coaching right now and shane we
1: really appreciate that that just brightened my day appreciate it my man and we appreciate you calling in don't be a stranger we'll see everybody tomorrow the drive with bill cameron following us here on espn 1067 and on fox sports central alabama we'll see you tomorrow you know where to find us